Every search you make, every click you take, they'll be watching you. Tired of companies like Google and Facebook watching everything you do online? There's actually a simple solution. DuckDuckGo. It's an all-in-one privacy app with a built-in private search engine, web browser, one-click data clearing, email protection, and more. All for free. Download the app today and get the most comprehensive privacy protection with the push of a button. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Hello, everyone. This is Rosie Tran, and welcome to Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weibo.tv special report sponsored by our friends at DuckDuckGo. You may have heard my voice at the end of every episode on Weibo.tv. I'm the one asking you to leave a review. Which, by the way, I hope you've done, right? You've left us a review? Okay, great. Unless you're lying. <clears throat> well, I'm a lot more than a voice. I'm also Weibo.tv's intrepid reporter, and over the course of this miniseries, I'm going to share with you short, actionable tips you can use to protect your privacy. These tips were sourced by our fearless leader, he really hates when we call him that, BJ Mendelson. BJ, for those of you who may not know, is the author of the book Privacy and How We Get It Back, a book that was published in the before times. This means before COVID. BJ is currently writing a sequel called How to Protect Yourself from Fascists and Weirdos. So everything we're going to hear in this miniseries is the most up-to-date information he's researched, bringing us into 2023 and beyond. Throughout the series, you're also going to hear from some special guests and experts in the information security field. You hear that sound? That means it's time for today's privacy tip. Next week is American Thanksgiving, a very nice holiday with absolutely terrifying origins. Before COVID, over 50 million Americans would hit the road each year to see their friends and family. This include BJ's mom, who is the David Copperfield of racism. You could be having a conversation about literally anything with her and she'll find a way to make it racist. But that's BJ's problem, not yours. Your problem is keeping your data safe when you're traveling. So this week, we're gonna focus on domestic travel here in the US. Next week, we'll talk about what to do when you're traveling internationally. And if you missed our previous episode, we definitely encourage you to go back and give it a listen. That's because we covered how to keep your data safe while driving. More specifically, if you're renting a car, do not sync your phone to your rental stereo. They're super cheap and easy to get on eBay. And if you have an iPhone, you just need to get a lightning cable to 3.5M headphone jack adapter to use the auxiliary cable. Wow, that's a mouthful. But remember, you don't ever wanna sync your contacts to a vehicle you don't own. Doing so exposes your data to car manufacturers and the data hubs they're presently selling that data to. If you find yourself at the airport or hotel next week, do not plug your phone into anything without a data blocker. A data blocker, also known as a USB condom, will prevent anything from accessing your data on your phone while you charge. And if you're staying at a hotel or Airbnb, we highly recommend getting an RF signal detector at your local Walmart. The signal detector sells for $30, and it's an easy and reliable way to spot any hidden cameras that might have been installed. We know, we know, this sounds like tinfoil hat level stuff, but hidden cameras are a serious problem all over the world. It's also a problem that adversely affects women, so ladies, please take note. It's often difficult to take action against the creeps and perverts who plant these devices. So we recommend you take a few moments to look for these hidden cameras whenever you're staying somewhere new. When you're traveling, you're also going to want to turn Bluetooth and Wi-Fi off when you're not using it, and also deactivate Apple's AirDrop feature. If you haven't yet limited AirDrop to your contacts, you can do so by going to Settings, tapping on General, and then tapping on AirDrop to adjust it. 
Finally, if you must browse the internet while you're traveling, there are three rules you have to follow. One, don't click or tap on anything weird. If you have to think about it twice, don't click on it. People using public Wi-Fi are often targeted by criminals using suspicious links sent to them, either via email or text. Two, use a VPN at all times. We recommend ProtonVPN and have included a link below in the show notes of today's episode. Three, finally, even when using the VPN, we recommend never accessing your bank account, health insurance, or any other website with critically important data. Safe travels, everyone. BJ and Tom Verrilli, the chief product officer of Twitch, talk privacy on this privacy podcast exclusive. Take it away, BJ. Um, Tom, could you just tell us a little bit about you and uh, your role over at Twitch? Sure. Uh, my name is Tom Verrilli. I'm the chief product officer here at Twitch. Um, in that role, I'm responsible for all uh, product engineering, applied science, uh, analytics, design, etc. that goes into what we would call our community product suite. So those are all of the basically the non-revenue products, uh, discovery, streaming tools, uh, trust and safety, um, the core viewing experience, as well as a number of the kind of sharing off-platform products, search, et cetera. Yeah. You know, it's amazing that every time it seems to write a book, um, Justin TV morphs into Twitch and then Twitch continues to grow. You know, it gets bought over by Amazon and it continues to grow and grow. So it's like every time I've gone to update it, there's something new. Well, uh, let me know up. when you're right, planning on redoing your next refresh. I'll make sure you have something. <laughs> That's <on>. right. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, let me ask you, like, so, I mean, obviously a lot has changed. I wrote the book back in 2017. So, but I'm just right. curious, could, could you tell us a little bit about where Twitch is today um, in just in terms of the platform? Funny, I joined Twitch 1st of January 2017, right around the time you were writing your book. So uh, back then, Twitch at any given moment had about 10,000 streams live concurrently, um, which basically made Twitch, I don't know, a supersized TiVo, but not like uh, world-altering. Uh, if you opened up Twitch right now, you have somewhere between 160,000 and 220,000 concurrent streams happening simultaneously. Um, uh, also, since 2017, uh, we have massively expanded our revenue offering for our creators. So uh, we had about 15,000 partners in, in 2017. We've added the affiliate program and expanded partners now. So in any given month, about two and a half million people will earn money on Twitch. That's um, amazing. It's, it's, the scale of it, I think, is, is underappreciated, and that's kind of fine. We're not, uh, we're not a big comms and press place where mostly specifically focused on like how do we serve creators who are our customers so they have many hundreds of millions of viewers um, but the focus for most of our development is to say there are um, things we enable streamers to do and then there are things we do on behalf of our streamers um, and our viewer facing tools are primarily in service of creators because they always want three things um, fame love and money those are the three things that tend to drive the creator economy in our experience. And so we are mostly focused on doing that. Um, the platform is still majority gaming, but uh, anyone who kind of pays close attention to it will know that IRL uh, content and just chatting um, is now our biggest single content category. Um, if you added all of the non-gaming categories and the gaming categories together, um, non-gaming is now about 25% of Twitch. Uh, and that's up from like 4% three, four years ago. Let me ask you, did you find, because uh, the thing I, I suspect is that you probably have saw an explosion in 2020 
Uh, did you find that with, with the non the non gaming segment? Was it was it COVID that sort of was the lightning uh, for people? Everything exploded in 2020. Yeah, uh, right. Uh, honestly, we were lucky just to keep the servers up. Um, the platform doubled uh, in March, April, and then basically doubled again late 2020, early 21. So um, I don't think that growth was predominantly driven by non-gaming content, but um, if it's gone from 4% to 25% in a period where the platform is growing, it's obviously growing faster than, than everything else. Um, uh, interestingly for us, we haven't yet seen a superstar emerge exclusively from non-gaming. The big stars of non-gaming today tend to be folks who were previously gamers and established their community in gaming and have moved out. So you can think of a Pokey or a Hassan or a bunch of those creators that way. Um, but I have very high confidence that by the time you and I talk about your next book, BJ, we will we will be talking about somebody nice. who isn't on Twitch today, isn't a gamer, and has developed an incredible interactive community on Twitch. Yeah, and this is one of the reasons why I wanted to make sure that we we talked for, for this book because I think this is the future. I, you know, I, I think that you're easily going to be right behind YouTube um, at some point within the next five years in terms of being like you know the, the top most traffic. So, and so I'm curious about just the explosion and growth and just some of the challenges that, that you faced internally with, with just getting all these people on and, and sort of orienting them to the world of streaming. Uh, the challenges in terms of helping people become content creators? Yeah, in terms of just like they come to you, they're like, oh, I see this Twitch thing. I, I, you know, I, I follow Magic the Gathering and now I, <laughs> I decided I wanted to, to do it as well. The honest answer made is at our scale now, there are thousands of different reasons and stories and things those come together. So. Um, forgive me that some of this will be high-level aggregate answers versus because there are just so many. But um, uh, the, the primary path to becoming a streamer on Twitch is I was a viewer on Twitch and I have seen the magic and I like it. Um, uh, so we think as much as 70% of people who started streaming today were hardcore viewers yesterday. Um, uh, but very interestingly, probably the biggest shift we've seen in the last couple of years is um, more than more than two thirds of people who start streaming today do so with the intention of going full time and making money. Between Fortnite in 2018 through 2020, and the emergence of folks who end up on like the NFL 100 year you know anniversary commercial involved like five Twitch streamers in it, and uh, Ninja has a masterclass these days, and like there's the the legitimization of streaming as a type of content creation and of streamers as um, uh, hate the term influencers, but as is like <laughs> yes, um, as as entertainers and celebrities in their own right, has really solidified the idea that this isn't a niche thing that some randoms do. It is a very legitimate uh, career in being a kind of content creator. Um, when I try and explain it to my mom or my grandma, which is always my litmus test for what does you know the general population of normies think. Um, I don't know that it is any different to Gen Z today to think about becoming a streamer than it was to think about becoming an author if you were a boomer, right? I have a story to tell and a community I want to build, and this is a way to do that. My nieces are in elementary school, and they've been asking me for how did they get on Twitch and how they said, I'm like, you are too young. Not yet. But, yeah, yeah, not like, yet, please. Yeah, not please, yet. Please. Um, and so we, we've had that, but they, you're, you're spot on. The fact that they know what Twitch is, the fact that they want to be streamers at, at such a young age, um, there isn't a differentiation between a TV star and a Twitch star. And I think, I think that's an awesome thing. It's, so the reason why I wanted to talk about this, because you know, we both agree this is the future, but we want to talk a little bit about the challenges that I think that streamers face that people don't, people don't understand or maybe think about. And so I'm just curious about how Twitch approaches privacy 
for the stream? Because you know, like as a streamer, you're clearly giving up some of your privacy to get something, right? But like, I'm curious about what Twitch does behind the scenes to kind of like look into the privacy and protect the privacy of the streamers. Yeah, I think you're right, which is the first one is there is an inherent degree to which you are opening yourself up to people by broadcasting yourself. Um, I think e even in articles where I think there are well-founded critiques of uh, any uh, internet platforms, including ours, I think uh, almost all the creators understand that trade-off. The, the very first thing I would say, though, is um, we have an advantage in that most people who are taking up streaming today do so with the intention of going full-time, and so they understand that trade-off. It's not a thing that kind of accidentally happens. Um, so the very first thing we do to kind of protect that is it's explicitly called out in our terms of service that you may not share privacy intrusive information and we will suspend you for doing so. So right up front in Twitch's terms of service are things like sharing PII, um, like, you know, name, location will get you banned. Sharing restricted or protected social profiles or any information on those profiles will get you banned. Uh, sharing content that kind of violates another person's reasonable expectation of privacy uh, will get you banned. And that includes like streaming from what should be a private space without permission. All of those components are like core, like we understand that, um, which is not a free speech platform. We have, we have rules that we seek to enforce. Um, that, that is kind of core of one of them. I think the second thing that we, we can do to help streamers is um, uh, in, within Twitch chat, we have a tool called Automod, which allows you to kind of prevent certain terms and phrases from coming in. And one of the things we do with partnership all the time is encourage every streamer to include various derivations of their address as explicitly banned terms within their chat so that if somebody is seeking to dox you or out you publicly in your chat, they can't. We will intercept that in advance. Um, we obviously don't hold that information personally, but um, uh, the intention uh, and the, the tooling exists very explicitly for this use case. Um, but uh, a lot of it comes down to kind of a degree of awareness from streamers because um, you are at various points broadcasting your screen. And so the places where I have seen folks um, get into the most trouble is I have an uh, Amazon browser tab open, which happens to have my um, uh, postcode, my zip code in the top left of the screen. And so it is relatively easy for someone who's like, check out these fantastic new Logitech mouses to accidentally demonstrate the zip code that they live in. And so we encourage folks just to be mindful of which screens are alive and which aren't. Um, within the Twitch uh, kind of settings and suites, anything that has PII or yourself is, is blocked until you've manually unhide it, just in case you open up your own Twitch settings while you're alive and it shows. So things like your phone number, your email that validates your account, all of that stuff is by default hidden, even for an end viewer until you unhide. Um, uh, those are the primarily uh, kind of inbuilt settings, but the, the big thing for us is um, how do we help? Like one of the big advantages for us is because people take up streaming having watched pro streamers, they get to learn from the experience of others. So you watch people turn around and be like, seems like every streamer has a PO box. Maybe I should get a PO box, right? Um, and the, the average end viewer doesn't necessarily need to understand why the pros do it that way, but they see how the pros do it and everybody kind of wants to emulate that setup. So we have a, a very high advantage in terms of community education and people don't have to hopefully learn these things for the first time. I'm a Facebook hipster. I then deleted my Facebook account and then re-upped it in 2005 and have not been able to get off the stupid thing since. So, so why can't you get off? So what, <laughs> what are your... <laughs> you guys. The award-winning Smashing Security Podcast.
hosted by Graham Cluley and Carol Terrio each week. It takes an irreverent look at cybersecurity and online privacy, helping you find out what's happening with your data. Find it in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and all good podcast apps, or at smashingsecurity.com. It's not all filth. Yeah. Uh, so my curious, like, I'm curious about as these not as the non gamers come to the platform that who might not have that exposure to the, to like the more successful streamers. What what are some of the things you're thinking about in terms of just onboarding them when it comes to the privacy? Um, so it's interesting in that we don't hands on onboard streamers at our scale. Um, folks begin streaming there, but one of the things we are very invested in is how do we. Um, take ownership of the quality of information that's provided to folks when they take up streaming. Um, I will tell you honestly, we haven't got that perfect yet because you will still find a thousand YouTube videos that are incorrect in terms of best practices. You will still find plenty of Reddit threads that are wrong. Um, and you will still find um, plenty of people on Twitter who it turns out BJ are not always correct as, <laughs> yes. as that is to have to say out loud. Um, but probably the, the, the biggest advantage we have again is that um, uh, despite the fact that we have large social channels and we do have good distribution, um, most onboarding at Twitch is actually done by streamers to communities. And this is where the term, uh, you know, uh, influencer isn't wrong. Um, our streamers inherently have more credibility with their audiences than I will ever have as a random tech employee. So the best thing we can do is to make sure that we are very diligently protecting our streamers and we are enabling the things that they need so that they can talk to their communities and audiences about that and demonstrate good behavior. because. Um, we can't. We have eight million people streaming right. in any given month. Uh, our capacity to onboard them, and even if we make the best series of creator cam videos and the best tooling available, nobody opens emails, and almost nobody goes and seeks out that proactive information, especially in a moment in which they are so enthusiastic to start being a streamer and get my content out there in the universe. So um, we talk about it as often as we can. We try and make sure that our products all have good defaults, um, but after that, we're really reliant on our big partners and streamers to demonstrate good behavior. Yeah, I, th I think that that's probably all you can do, right? When you reach that kind of scale is just sort of train the next person so that they can train the person behind them and then they can do And so Yeah, and there, there are little bits you can do, which is like things like Amazon affiliate links are designed so that I can buy things and I can participate in this kind of patronage without having to exchange any of that PII. Um, uh, there are various um, uh, third-party companies that spin up in that space as well that I've seen our streamers use. This is not an endorsement, but I've seen a couple of our streamers use things like Join Throne, which is a privacy-centric way in which you can share gifts with, with streamers and other celebrities. Um, uh, so a lot of those things tend to emerge. Um, but honestly, mate, the place where people screw up the most, in my experience, is not on Twitch. Uh, I am a streamer on Twitch. I want to continue this kind of community intimacy that we have. And so I have people following on, on uh, Instagram or Twitter or TikTok. And now I'm taking photos outside my house and somebody can reverse image search those things. So um, Twitch is a very contained and specific context and it tends to be safer in my uh, experience than the information you put out in the world on your socials. I think the other thing folks forget is you had a whole Twitter history for the last 10 years before you started streaming and all of those tweets are still there. So um, one of the things that tends to work in our favor too is almost every other social network 
and streaming site and whatever is all based on real world identity. Uh, Twitch isn't. Um, you know, it is in fact most of the big streamers. Eventually, everybody knows their real name once they have hit kind of you know like uh, you know ten thousand viewers plus. But the vast bulk of our streamers are pseudo anonymous, even to us, um, and that is a very real benefit in my experience. Yeah, tell me more about that because I, I think that that's so important. And like you said, it's not like the other platforms out there. What was that? How did that? How did that come about? And like, what is that process like internally to protect that? Um, that's very organic. That's not us, for what it's worth. Um, uh, most people who work here are gamers. Gamers have historically always had gamer tags, uh, and so streamers started by reflecting your gamer tag in your your channel mostly. Um, you know, my Twitch channel is Monster Robot uh, because that is what I my handle when I game. And so it mostly emerged that way. So now it would be very weird to show up and be like, yes. my Twitch handle is Brian uh, because there are none of that, right? It's much more normal for it, for it to be a Pokemon or a kind of, you know, um, you know, myth or any of those things you can think of. Um, and I think there's a huge amount of benefit in that in that it allows yes. folks to do that. Um, I've only been here seven years, six years. Uh, and so I can't tell you all of the etymology and emergence of those, but it's, I can tell you it's one of our core product tenants, which is we don't seek to out folks in the way that you hear streamers say, never try and out the lurkers. Uh, it's not our intention to try and force you to ever have to verify who you are or what's going on. Um, your community persona is your own. Um, and in many cases, it's part of the entertainment. Like my favorite streamer is an Australian guy uh, whose name is Cardboard Cowboy. His whole shtick is a many, many year running kind of partly animated, partly acted out uh, skit about a cowboy who has a cardboard hat who moves around the world. And it's fascinating. And so I think that level of pseudo anonymity adds to the value and it adds to the creativity, um, but also is a fantastic foil for you having to be yourself and being able to partition my online persona and my real life, both from an, a safety perspective, but I imagine also as a creator, um, uh, for your own mental health, it's probably a, a plus. Right? right, because the rest of the time, who I am is on display on an Instagram post, and somebody like if people didn't like my picture, they don't like me. Whereas if I have a internet entertainer persona, I can always reinvent that anytime without reinventing myself. That's right, and that's one of the things that I love about the platform, right? Like, because it, it that opportunity to experiment is increasingly lost, right, on the internet, and you guys are still like one of the big bastions of you can still be uh, semi-anonymous or completely anonymous. What, what do you think the future holds for the platform as we, you know, we talked about the growth, we talked about uh, best practices and privacy, but what, what do you think the future holds in terms of more people coming onto Twitch and just discovering streaming? So um, I think there's a whole bunch of different metas emerging, honestly, mate. And um, I don't know that the answer is it will be one. I think it'll be a bunch of different ones. So uh, for example, VTubers are exploding right now. Uh, which for those of you, you're probably very familiar, for those not familiar, takes the um, pseudo-anonymity a step further even. Uh, folks don't even show their face. Everything is a character-based animation that um, the really expensive and good ones have like a uh, front-facing camera that tracks your facial movement and then moves your avatar's facial movements around as well. And so that's a massive sub-community on Twitch um, that you know is already very meaningful, that is completely uh, anonymous, not even pseudo-anonymous. Um, as those things emerge. I think uh, there's also um, a real, I will be really interested to see the way in which tools that have been, um, that are under development can be used for a variety of stuff. 
So um, one of the things that we are um, we have started the alpha rollout of and we launch in GA later this year is um, a feature we call Gesta, which is taking the streamer chat interaction another layer, which allows you to go from being in chat to being up on stage in the video, kind of like joining this Riverside. Um, and that like leads to an amazing amount of co-creation potential between chat and audience. Um, it's the type of thing where you could imagine playing D&D, but you let chat be the NPCs. Uh, and the amount of creativity that I think those type of generic tools unlock is fascinating to me, right? You can imagine a streamer doing a fantasy football draft with members of their community and just bringing them up and you can do it live. Um, you can imagine everything that sustained American talkback radio for the last 70 years can now be done live on stream. Like, I think for me, the best tools we have ever launched have always been about how do we make generic tooling that allows creators to add their layer of um, personality and creativity and storytelling because there are 8 million of them. Uh, yeah. They will always be more creative than me. Um, I think the really interesting thing will be to try and work out which are the metas that catch on that other people then want to double down on and copy and emerge as whole communities versus which are the unique contents that some people are making. Um, and, you know, if I had a crystal ball, I'd be a lot richer than I am today. <laughs> but uh, I, I will mostly be fascinated alongside everybody else to work out what are the things that kind of catch fire in people's imaginations and are copied and what are the things that might be unique, right? Like, I don't know if news commentary is the future of Twitch or if Hassan is just very good at it. Um, I don't know if uh, next time there is a, um, a GameStop stock meme that will happen on Twitch rather than Reddit. Um, or if the stock guy is just very, very, again, like charismatic and interesting and it's why people are watching his streams. Um, that's kind of the joy of working here, mate. You don't have to yeah. predict those things. Your job is just to kind of enable creativity. Right. And, and it's, like you said, that's why I, I'm such a supporter of the platform. Um, let me ask you my last question, which is, is there anything that we didn't touch on in terms of privacy in Twitch that, that we should talk about or that you would want people to know? Um. No, I think we touched on the major components, mate, which is like if you're going to take up streaming, and we really hope you do, um, uh, you need to just kind of set yourself up right uh, as opposed to this is, this is different than just, you know, tweeting because uh, you are establishing a community based around some combination of your personality and content. Um, and so we're really lucky that most folks come here with that understanding, as I said, and they go from community member to creator um, with examples and guidance and leaders in that community but if you're going to become a creator on the internet um, there's a reason that uh, authors have had pen names for forever um, it is the type of thing to be thoughtful about rather than just yolo it just because you can go live really quickly and easily doesn't mean that it doesn't warrant some thought before you I, I think that's well said uh, i really appreciate it this was great um but yeah no thank you this was great i, I hope you have a tremendous day you too, mate. Thanks so much. Most things people hate about the internet comes from a lack of privacy, like those creepy ads that make you think your phone is listening to you. DuckDuckGo is an all-in-one privacy app that can help you with that. It's your internet browser with private search, tracking blocker, encryption, and even built-in email protection, all for free. Just go to DuckDuckGo.com to learn more. DuckDuckGo. Privacy simplified. Thank you for listening to Stupid Sexy Privacy, a Weiwo.tv special report. Do you need a privacy audit? 
Help find new episodes of Weiwo.tv. BJ is offering one-on-one privacy audits. These are private, one-time consultations that are conducted securely through Signal. During the audit, BJ will walk you through all 23 steps from our special report to help you better protect your privacy. Now, just to be clear, we're going to share all 23 steps with you here for free in this podcast miniseries. Because these are all tactics you can use right now to help protect yourself from fascists and weirdos, and we want to help keep everyone safe. These privacy audits are meant for people who may need some extra help implementing these steps or have additional questions that they want answered. You can have your one-on-one privacy audit with BJ by sending an email to bjmendelson at duck.com. That email again is bjmendelson at duck.com. And we'll see you next time right here on weiwo.tv, right? <laughs>